Welcome to the Flyover Ministry Podcast, a practical youth ministry podcast for small church leaders by small church leaders. We are grateful that you have joined us for our journey through ministry-related topics that we hope help equip and encourage you as you serve Jesus wherever you are. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Jordan. And this is Flyover Ministry. Happy summer, everyone. Uh, we are excited to be continuing our series on being able to connect generations within our congregations. And we've talked about this in previous episodes and even previous episodes, episode arcs. But it's just really good to be able to talk formally about this. And uh, last week we talked about connecting uh, with the older folks, if you'll, if I can use that terminology without offending anybody, um, if I did, know that I did not intend any offense. But they're seasoned. Uh, seasoned, right? Well, seasoned with what? Salt, hopefully. Salt mm. that has not lost its saltiness. Ooh. We are going to be talking about creating connections with younger students today, and uh, Jordan. This is going to sound, I'm anticipating, kind of similar, uh, at least in principle, in theory, to last week. But I think there's some unique opportunities, um, you know, as you look at how do you connect to older folks as a younger individual. But now we're gearing this towards the, I suppose I'll use your terminology, the seasoned individuals. How do they come and connect with students? Well, actually... I'm glad that we're having this conversation live in front of everybody because when I put this before uh, or putting this together for the for the outline, I was actually thinking that we have the the partnership with adults is very often before us in the world of youth ministry. But I think something that gets overlooked is how do we leverage the connections of our students? to younger students within the congregation and get them into Ooh. discipleship relationships with younger people so that they're not leaving our ministries thinking like, okay, now I have to figure out how to do this discipleship, but they've been discipled on how to disciple throughout their experience. So therefore the mm. relationships with younger students is actually geared at how do we interact with our students that are in our youth ministries to prepare them for younger student connections. I see. All right. So misreading that, that was my fault. That's okay. I, I, I'm glad for the clarification though, because I think, I mean, principles are still going to stand here. I mean, this isn't going to be too dissimilar when you think about um, ultimately what we're after is discipleship. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I love the opportunity that we have to be able to give students the chance to practice discipleship and mm-hmm. um, this is going to be a little messy when we talk about this particular scope of ministry um, this is going to require I think a little bit of um, a little bit of grace mm-hmm. uh, a little a lot of forgiveness uh, because when you start doing this a lot of mistakes are made and uh, things happen that could have been prevented let's get on with this where do we start how do we start? allowing our students to be able to connect with younger students within our church body. 
Yeah, we can start by recognizing that all of your mental notes that you were preparing yourself to contribute are now out the window. <laughs> so, I am shooting from the hip today. <laughs> no, I, you, but like you said before, there are some definite similarities to what we've talked about in the previous episode. And um, similar to what we talk with connecting with adults, there there is a strategic element to this. And as we explore that... Um, one of the things that we'll want to look at is just, again, this this area of starting with the foundation of prayer. Um, we want to bathe this in prayer that God would give us wisdom for thinking through how do we make connections with younger students? How do we make this a, a, a safe environment so that parents aren't concerned about weird things happening or, or irresponsibility? Yeah. Because you're, you can't just be like, we're going to create this event. And all of you middle school students are going to be here unsupervised with elementary kids and you get to pick the games <laughs> and it's probably going to be like blindfolded running downstairs into things. And yeah, so, <laughs> so, so there are or something. <laughs> yeah. So we want to like prayerfully consider, God, what are the best ways to incorporate this with the structure that we have, with the people that we have? in the setting that we have. Um, and, and this is also a conversation to have with leadership as well. And even for the sake of projecting the vision so that they can understand where you're heading and that it's intentional. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, if we work at discipleship and releasing students for something like this, and that hasn't been communicated that this is intentional, because like you said, there, there could be some messiness involved the leaders might interpret this then as carelessness, but we want to show sure. that no, some of this stuff is really intentional and, and it will be messy. And this is something we've talked about before too, as far as as congregations, we maybe need to loosen up a little bit as far as some of the professionalism, the balance of how do we do everything excellently as if under the Lord, but also giving people opportunities to do something that's new to them so they can get experience and grow, right? Because like all of us mm-hmm. started at some place where we were rough. So how do we create an opportunity <laughs> for that for students? Right. So as a youth leader, Jordan, you mentioned uh, encouraging our churches to loosen up the formality posture that we have. How would you encourage someone who's listening right now? It's like, that sounds like a great idea. I have no idea how to start or how to encourage people to do that. Um, what would you suggest to them for how to go about that? This is going to be an area where storytelling is really important. Um, and now I'm not talking about just like once upon the time Gretel stuff, but <laughs> okay. it's, it's how are you going to communicate the strategy and the reasoning behind what you're asking? You know, mm. some people might come in a little bit forceful and say, we're going to do this just because we're going to do this and this is what's needed. And I don't care what you think. That's not going to be the best approach with leaders because you still want to recognize that you are under the authority of the leaders of the church as well. And so there's there's boundaries to what you can and can't do. But simply like asking the question, um, and, and if if this is a really hard thing, you could even be creative about how you approach certain leaders. For example... If, if this is an ongoing conversation and you're not getting the support for this kind of freedom, um, one thing you could do is 
get one or two key leaders say, you're going to come with me. We're going to go to a middle school band concert. And then later <laughs> in the year, we're going to go to a high school band concert. And because and we're going to do this under the guise of you supporting our kids because we've got students here, right? And mm. you can pitch it that way. And then afterwards say, tell me what you observed. Did you hear any squeaks? Did you hear any wrong notes, bad counting in the middle school concert when they're just starting and learning? Yes. You know, if anybody's been a parent of a band student and as they're starting off, it can be kind of miserable when they're practicing at home. But when you look at the high school group, could you hear mistakes? You might be able to, but their ability has grown so much. And now it's at a point where it's pleasurable. I, I say that going to a middle school concert for a band is work. Going to a high school one is enjoyable. Um, be, and going to a fifth and sixth grade band concert is? That that would be lumped in with middle school. So still oh, work. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, but that I think is a great picture. And, and maybe it's sports. You know, you could go to like a really early basketball camp or something. Like there's there have been some basketball games I've been to that have been painful to watch mm. and i don't know anything about basketball but then you know, get some of the high school ones and it's just like but these are pretty impressive athletes and but you see yeah. the progression right and, you, and mm. so then you can raise a question how do we make something like this possible in ministry where they're given the opportunity because they learn by playing you have you there's no quick way around it you could play esports all you want it's not going to help you to be a varsity high school player by just picking up walking on that way if you've never played before right right so that would be some of the way that i'd pitch it um creatively if necessary but but i'd hope that you could simply just have the conversation and even verbalize those examples and, and maybe find that that's going to make a connection for them mm. that's really good i i know i've used this in the past um for its youth worker training at our at our youth worker weekends but the episode of bluey uh that ever beloved little puppy uh bingo wants to make an omelet for her dad and if you're familiar with the episode omelet right it's an incredible mess of you know, what it takes to teach someone how to make an omelet and eventually spoiler alert the omelet gets made does it look nice no it's not pretty at all there's eggshells in it and it's a little burnt uh, is it easier to do things our own? Yes, it is. But it is not discipleship. And our goal here is to involve people in the life of that church. So I think what you said earlier, too, is really important on the providing them a safe place to fail and even allowing them to fail at like little th things that still matter, right? Still having a significant thing for them to be involved in where they don't feel like, well, this is just um, cheap labor for things that other people don't want to do, but that you give them something mean, meaningful and significant to be a part of, but allow them a little bit of a uh, an allowance to gain that experience. Because you're not just going to drop kids in the deep end of the pool to teach them how to swim. You could, but there's better ways to do it, right? That are not as destructive. So that is what we want to try and uh, figure out. So. I think it is really helpful to be able to take a look at opportunities that already exist in congregation uh, for you to look at things like what are things that we're already doing and to ask 
yourself as a leader and then to ask your pastor, your church council, uh, the board of education, whoever, you know, how do we bring students in on this? Like, how do we involve them? And, you know, for some of our people, uh, that might mean, uh, you know, if we want these kids to be involved in this quilting ministry, uh, you know, we're, we're making quilts for the homeless. And we've got some kids who might be interested in doing something like this. But the quilters meet at, you know, 10 a.m. on a weekday, and that's when these kids are in school. So it could mean that, you know, one way that we bring kids on board is we change the time of when this ministry meets to allow that to happen. You know, and is that a big sacrifice? Well, yeah, it slows your progress down. Um, you know, it might not work all of the time for all parties involved to meet at certain times, but, you know, it's it's worth it, isn't it? And I think you have to, like you were saying, communicate and tell the story that, yes, this is something that is valuable. This is something, this is something that's worthwhile, even if it's slower, to be doing things together as the whole body and not just, um, yeah. And I realized I shifted back, not just for our students going to students, but for adults to students in that. So this is me still trying to contribute. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. And I and, do. Th I think VBS is a really mm -hmm. great opportunity for this to happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cause uh, right now, many of our churches as it's the summer are staring, um, I realize it sounds ominous. They're staring down the barrel of VBS coming up here. And maybe your church has already had VBS. Um, but to allow them, you know, an opportunity, we've got students that are artistic. And these students are able to lead arts and crafts. Like they can do arts and crafts. That's a low risk. Uh, it's a, literally messy. Um, but it's a low risk, still valuable thing for them to contribute to. And will they do a great job? Yeah, they'll do a really good job. Um, will it be awesome? Maybe, you know, <laughs> but it, it's something that is, is tangible for you to be able to point to and say, we brought students on board and they're, they know that they can contribute and their work was valuable. Yeah. And they were able to connect with all of these students who came in, right? So they are able to contribute how God has given them to help us with passing our faith on and teaching people about Jesus. Yeah. And I think it could be helpful to this particular point, I think goes a little bit beyond just working with our students, interacting with the younger kids, because this can be something that we do functionally as a congregation that doesn't necessarily have to have our youth involved. Um, as far as looking for opportunities for, for the younger kids to be meaningful involved with the, the congregation. But in, in the same vein, we're wanting to see how we can give ownership to younger kids in a way that is significant yeah. for them. And there's a couple opportunities that we do here at Hope where the kids are excited about it. And in fact, they'll talk about it and they'll want to uh, participate much more regularly than they can let them because there's so many students that we have to kind of cycle through. Um, and so one of the things is that pastor will do a children's message where they bring an object and he'll do a kind of an extempt extemporaneous message based off of whatever they bring. So you got to pick who's going to bring the object. And that's a really low key, easy way for someone to participate. Cause then that, but it's also very meaningful. They're directing the whole conversation because of what they choose to bring or not. Um, hmm. We have kids involved with collecting the communion cups after 
uh, or during communion. And that's one that I've heard multiple kids. In fact, one of the kids jumped up before it was their turn and just went up there, regardless of who I had recruited. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Um, but it's a meaningful ways to contribute. And that's, that's something that's kind of separate from the involvement of the youth. But still in that, we can teach our students that are in youth group to observe these things and to mm-hmm. encourage them, kind of like we would look for our adults to tell them to say, hey, look for the things that the students are doing and encourage them and notice them in that. So with our youth group kids, you could say, hey, you know, we had Sally who is um, doing the doing the communion cup thing. And then just after after church on Sunday, I'd encourage you guys to say, hey, Sally, mm-hmm. thanks for doing that. That was that was really great. And so using them to affirm in that student, the youngster, that their work was meaningful is huge. Because again, we think back of um, something we've, I think we've talked about this before, but the the age of aspiration where you're always trying to look at the group ahead of you and, and you hold them in such right. high regard, right? And so mm-hmm. for our, our elementary kids, they're looking at our youth group kids and they're thinking like they're the bee's knees. And they probably wouldn't use the word bee's knees because people don't do that anymore, but um, they see them as people that they want to model as as in a different class or whatever. Right. And so but when you have one of those kids then intentionally looking at you and saying, hey, you did a really good job with that. That can be really meaningful and encouraging for them. And having that being consistent throughout their um, journey through elementary school going into the youth program can be a really foundational thing. Right. Um, and like you said, VBS is another thing where more direct hands-on uh, we do, we do a younger youth. Um, it's it's averaged about once a month, and it's for the three years prior to youth group. Um, but it's mostly games and a little devotion and snacks. But there's a great setting for a kid to try out putting together a devotional. Right? Hmm. How do you think through? And I don't think that those kids are going to like go home and ponder deeply the depths of maybe a heresy that was said. Uh, by the student because they're they're just thinking like game time's coming again yes I but don't, i don't know i think every group has one or two of those kids maybe but <laughs> but then as a leader though you're able to talk through that and, and catch these things and then you mm. could, you'd be there to be able to say actually you know what they said was good but this is kind of a, a different way of looking at it too um but it's a low that is all to say that you're not going to end up with a huge mess like doing something on a sunday morning necessarily right and and this is kind of the the delicate balance because when you talk about having kids involved there's adults that are involved in this as well um i think when you're talking about especially telling the story to your students about why it is that you do what you do as a church i think especially as you know conservative lutheran churches in the mess midwest uh, both Jordan, you and I are serving in the, these contexts. We have liturgy in our mm-hmm. service, and our our kids are involved. We don't have a separate breakout time for our kids to go and be a part of. Uh, so, you know, our girls, my girls are old enough to be able to start singing some of these uh, pieces of liturgy, like we give thee but the I know, and when the offering is taken, why do we stand up? Why do we sing this uh, as the offering is being taken? Why is it important that we confess our sins? Why do we take time in our our services uh, to pray and, and to take prayer requests? 
why do we, you know, basically explaining why we do what we do and to help not just educate them, but to see this is why, because this brings us to Jesus. And uh, when you allow them that opportunity to serve in that way, when they understand the mission of the church and why it is we do what we do, they can take greater ownership of that. And I think we have a lot of people that really want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, Mm -hmm. especially something that has stood the test of time and that is something meaningful. And, you know, that is (laughs) very broad strokes, uh, a big part uh, the church checks all of those boxes. The church is more than that, right? The church provides that spiritual fellowship with other Christians, but to allow students to say, we want you to be a part of this story. Uh, That's meaningful. And and we're just trying to give our students ownership in this as well. Um, Like I did say though, it's really hard to do this sort of thing without bringing other adults involved. Uh, For instance, uh, probably not a good idea to have an eighth grader be a substitute teacher for your Sunday school, right? You're probably going to want to have a little bit more experience there. You're going to want to have a little bit more discernment on something like that. But, you know, I think when they're around junior, senior in in high school, especially when you're talking about them going to help with um, the younger ages, like the preschool, kindergarten, first grade class, or however your church breaks down those classes. I think there's an opportunity for them to be able to know that they have support, um, know that they are uh, being cared for, know that they have people who have their backs, uh, but to allow them to just kind of kick the training wheels off and to teach what they've been taught, you know, to be able to help in that capacity too. But uh, I do think that some adults, you know, that support structure does require adults. And that's the beautiful thing of discipleship is that you are perpetually passing that faith on. Mm-hmm. You don't get to a point where it's, the, well, I don't have to do this anymore. Your yeah. your you know, call to arms stands for everybody. And another thing that we can think of is we're we're kind of jumping back and forth from where to start and how and then how to do this. <laughs> so, uh figure out your own timeline. It'll be fine. Uh, but another thing that I think is important as on early on is communicating with your youth group kids the significance of why this matters, because mm-hmm. you you want to kind of like you're saying, why do we do the things that we do in church? <clears throat> you can also be talking about why are we spending our time with these youngsters? Because, you know, they might be thinking, well, those kids are just annoying and uncool or whatever. But you want to get them used to um, the the concept which honestly is quite counter-cultural to them, but that they're not just existing to only receive from other people. Because, I mean, think about it. How often have they been in a setting where they are being catered to, right? You know, the the education system is built around their development. Um, The Sunday school and LSF is around their interests, game time and stuff. People are catering to them. Home might be a little bit different where their parents might be like, suck it up, bucko. It's not about you. But in a ministry context, we want them to see that it's not all about you just receiving and giving. And and I think the challenge is that we are in a congregational context where I think a lot of older people in the church are there. Like church is a place to come where I'm given the word and I receive the Sunday school class that I want to go to. And it's all about getting 
and not about, this is also a place where I'm called to give, to step out and to serve and to um, invest in others. And so starting that concept young and, and explaining that's really important as well. Um, and even making the link of like, you are able to receive these things because others are serving. And in that same way, you want to be able to allow others to receive by you serving. And then mm-hmm. as you're thinking about implementing this stuff, again, encouragement to start small, you know, don't try to come up with a huge, fully developed master's thesis level concept right off the bat. Try things, you know, um, pick one area and, and see what can you do in this one area. And if that goes well, then keep it and then maybe move on to something else. If it, if it bombs, then leave it and then try something else. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just give it a whirl. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, as you start small, I think that's important because when you involve students and messes happen, what's going to happen is that as the leader, especially speaking to youth leaders, you are going to be the one that's in the crosshairs, right? You were the one that was responsible. So yeah. to, to be able to explain as leader to <clears throat> other leaders and other adults in your church, this is what we were trying to accomplish. This is why we did what we did. There was a, uh, some mistakes that were made, some messes were made, uh, and messes could be all sorts of different things. But uh, to be the ver- first to help volunteer to clean it up, you know, but to uh, allow some of that uh, to permeate as you tell the story. But just be aware that people are going to look at you and uh, maybe not entirely appreciate the fact that messes are being made as this takes you know, a, a considerable length of time. Uh, so don't be discouraged. Keep your chin up and uh, focus on the disciple-making process here as you pass this faith and you try and help bring your church to realize um, this process is going to take time, but it's it's worth the effort and worth the messes. So how do you support these students practically, Jordan? What are things that we can do as these leaders to support our students in these roles? So I think about some of the things that we might ask adults to do with their teens and they have a lot more resources mm-hmm. to accomplish those tasks than our teens would with younger kids. So let's say that we um, get somebody who is mature enough that we're like, you know, I think you'd really benefit from uh, having a more intentional conversation and relationship with this younger student. Or maybe, you know, okay, so here's an example. Uh, let's say you had a kid who walked through a divorce in their family and they're in your youth ministry. You've talked about it. Mm. It's a bad situation. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of questions, hurt that's there, but they're growing. God's been gracious to them and they can see that, right? Now there's a family with a younger student who is going through family challenges. That student, the older one, might be able to really be a good emotional support for the younger student. Just like we would say an adult with a a teen, right? But that younger, that older student probably is not going to have like the driver's license to just say, Hey, let's go and I'll pick you up and we'll go for a hike or something. Um, they might not have the funds to, uh, take them out for ice cream or something. Those are things that you as a leader can do and, and even be like accountability too. like you and the student can go and pick up the younger kid uh, and mm-hmm. you can kind of monitor there. You can be present, but you let the other teen kind of take ownership of it too, right? So so logistical support, administrative support, financial support, that could be some really big 
helps to make some of this stuff happen. Right. I think one component here as we start wrapping up the, the time on this episode is uh, being able to celebrate and encourage our students when they do this, when we see this happening, even when it's something that's taking place without our, our knowledge or, <laughs> or without our initiating it. Um, thinking about when the disciples come back after Jesus has sent them out, right? They have that time of debriefing and there is a time to be able to celebrate when Jesus celebrates with them and says, you know, don't celebrate all of the awesome stuff that you did. Instead, celebrate the fact that your names are written in the book of life. And I do think that there was uh, a bit of celebration as they were able to get back together and and um, debrief one another on the things that they were able to accomplish, the, the things that they saw happen through the authority that Jesus had given to them. So I want to encourage you as a leader to be able to make a point to celebrate uh, the fruit that you see in the lives of your students. And, and to share that fruit, uh, not just with them, but especially with their parents, that'd be a huge pick-me-up for parents to see like, you know what? I saw John do this the other day, and I just really wanted you to be encouraged that like, I think you guys are doing great and, and keep it up and know that you are being cared for and supported and just a word of encouragement for them. Uh, that would be huge as a parent. Yeah. And, you know, how you communicate this is going to be good, too. I think you can teach kind of how to evaluate. Um, and some of the things that I did with the youth group kids as they were going through VBS every day after VBS, we'd ask, OK, what went really well? Because we want to recognize the things that were successful. Right. We also mm -hmm. want to recognize there's areas for us to grow. And so what can we do better? And, and right. you know, how you phrase it, even in just asking that question, what went well, what can we do better, is going to be different than what went well, where did you fail? You know, uh, right. how did you screw it up? But just, no, <laughs> we tried, something didn't work. What can we tweak to make it better next time, right? right. So, yeah, we, we could go on for quite a bit longer than the time we have today. But we're going we're gonna to stop it there, um, and hopefully this has been helpful for you and letting you think through how you can maybe do this, implement this, um, and how you can help kids evaluate where they're at and stuff too. And maybe you want to evaluate us. That would be welcome. You can tell us something that we're doing great, something that we can do better. And you can do that at any of our normal channels, which you'll hear at the end of the podcast episode today. But for all intents and purposes, we pray that you would be encouraged in looking at this new area of ministry potentially um, and that your ministry would be blessed as you go and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening to Flyover Ministry. You can find, follow, and give feedback on our Instagram and Facebook pages at Flyover Ministry. You can also get in contact with us on our Gmail account, flyoverministrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find other episodes that we've recorded on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and please feel free to share them with a friend. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.